Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is Lovecraft Country Chronicles, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Please welcome your hosts, Mia Johnson and Natalie Zamora. Hello and welcome everyone to the very first episode of the Lovecraft Country Chronicles podcast. I am Mia Johnson. I am entertainment editor over at fansided.com and our co-host, would like to introduce yourself. Hi everyone, I'm Natalie Zamora and I'm the managing editor for Florate. Awesome. So we are going to be bringing you weekly episodes breaking down everything about Lovecraft Country. We're going to be talking about the novel. We're going to be talking about the series. And we're even going to be talking a little bit about the guy behind the name, Mr. H.P. Lovecraft. (laughs) (laughs) But we have some, we probably have some feelings about, uh, but to help us break it down today, we have a special guest. Uh, His name is Jim Rohner. He's the co-host of the Cast of Cthulhu podcast. How are you doing, Jim? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me be a part of your your uh, your maiden voyage here. I would yeah. have expected maybe the sixth or seventh down the line once you got rejected by 12 or 13 people, then like, well, let's see if we can get this guy who's got nothing better to do. <laughs> well, you were recommended to us and I uh, took a listen to, to the podcast and it seems like you uh, and your co-host are like super into just everything genre, of course, everything Lovecraft. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I've uh, I've been a horror fan for probably my entire life. Um, I was the kind of kid that if I stumbled upon The Exorcist on TV, I would turn it off immediately, but then always be curious, like, but I want to go back and see what's happening. Like, even though I couldn't stand the spider walk scene, I was still curious by the spider walk scene. Um, my favorite show still to this day is The X-Files, which has mm-hmm. some horror elements, but sci-fi mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. But... Um, I'm just, I'm fascinated by any kind of art that stays with you for so long after you're done engaging with it. Um, I mean, you know, when I was a kid in the basement of my of my house watching the X-Files on a Friday night, I'd turn the TV off and immediately run, literally run up the stairs to get to bed because I wasn't sure what was lurking in the dark. And yet <laughs> was still fascinated by that idea that something could affect me so profoundly after it was done. I mean, there's... The story of, you know, after Jaws came out, people didn't even want to go in their swimming pools because they were afraid of what lurked underwater. And I, I just love that um, a genre can have that kind of um, long-lasting hold on people. And um, relevant to this conversation in Lovecraft Country, that idea, too, of how nothing speaks better, I think, to what is scaring a society than the art that they are putting out basically Ooh, that's a good one <laughs> so i think yeah as we delve into that me and natalie we could we're gonna kind of tag team this we've got a whole mm-hmm. list of questions for you and we'll just jump in however we want but i wanted to start off with just the whole idea of lovecraftian horror mm-hmm. there's this thing called cosmicism and the cthulhu mythos so yeah. what is Lovecraftian horrors like all these are the same? What what does that entail? Yeah, what what do I have? Thirty minutes is all we've got. <laughs> um, it, it's not that Lovecraftian horror is difficult to define. It's more just that it entails so many things uh, that 
when a movie or a TV show or a book pulls a part of it, it's kind of immediately declared like, oh, it's so Lovecrafty. And we're like, well, there's a part of it, sure. And that's one of the things that my co-host and I, uh, James, uh, engage with on The Catholic Cthulhu is reviewing movies that are either direct or spiritual adaptations. Just because you throw some spells and a tentacle in there doesn't mean it's necessarily Lovecraftian, basically, which is a lot of what directors choose to do when they're working on a limited budget. But I, I've kind of... Uh, to best explain it, I'd say there's sort of like a funnel where you start out with cosmicism, then that funnels into Lovecraftian horror, and that funnels into the Cthulhu mythos, basically, where even though cosmicism was kind of, if not defined, then popularized by Lovecraft, and it's, it's, that, it's this basically, to put it simply, this idea of mankind or humankind's cosmic insignificance, both in the sense of the universe as a physical mm -hmm. creation, but also your insignificance as a an entity or even just a, a spirit basically and that could be tied into the idea of an inescapable fate it doesn't matter if you have a want or have a desire your ultimate destiny is defined by the family that you were born into or the path mm -hmm. that was set before you that you have no control over um and so that to me is kind of what mostly defines Lovecraftian horror is that idea of people being exposed to that most explicitly through their exposure to a otherworldly seeming other otherworldly entity that has no concern for them as creatures or even as concepts. Humankind is kind of a joke. Um, and that, and, and the idea of humans not being able to grasp that not only are they finite, but they are, in the grand scheme of things, not important. Um, mm -hmm. And they, they ultimately choose to either go insane or kill themselves out of, a, out of you know, being able to confront this reality. And then the Cthulhu mythos is kind of just more specifically dealing with those entities, the old ones, the deep ones, Cthulhu, Dagon, okay. those kind of things. Because he did write other stuff, which was sort of um, still very much him, but stuff like the music of Eric Zahn or... Um, you know, even the tomb, which are kind of creepy things and certainly inspired a lot by his love for Edgar Allan Poe, but not tied mm -hmm. into this loosely connected universe called the Cthulhu mythos, basically. Oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot to juggle. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, no, I, I, have, I have not been uh, reading up and researching on this today at all. Not at all. <laughs> it's interesting the way you talk about kind of the whole identity thing. It feels like because 2012 is such a weird year, I don't know if you would want to call it a Lovecraftian year, but it feels like one of those years where it's like we're all shut in. So we're kind of forced to just think about ourselves in the grand scheme of every, at least I've been, yeah. <laughs> I've been doing that. <laughs> no, it, you're, you're not far off on that. I mean, just because especially if, if all of us uh, or most of us rational human beings are sheltering in place and, and wearing masks and not kind of going out, we sort of have nothing but time to think about what could be outside, what could be, you know, happening. Um, and even just this idea of, you know, what is our existence entail if we're not going to work, if we're not seeing our mm -hmm. friends, if we're not engaging in the things that we're regularly engaging with, what does our existence or our, our reality become? And are we, how do we cope with that? Yeah. Wow. Right out the gate, we're already talking about these big <laughs> ideas. This is, <laughs> this is a big brain podcast. Okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it, it is interesting to think about the merge of like, you know, horror. I think a lot of times we just kind of boil it down to like slasher films. Yeah. Or um, Saw, which I can't, oh man, I cannot <laughs> stand watching a Saw movie. But 
maybe that is what, and, and we're, we'll talk about kind of like the separation between like Lovecraft and his work in a second. Like maybe that just kind of at his own fundamental base is kind of what makes him such a borrowed author, kind of these big grand scheme ideas. Yeah. Um, yeah, go for it. I was going to say, I certainly think, I mean, some of the stuff which makes his, his, so, his work so evergreen to a certain extent is he deals a lot with existentialism, which people mm-hmm. have been dealing with since they've been people, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, know, uh, in, you know, slashers were big for a while, but then people kind of got bored with those. And then, um, you know, werewolves were good for a while, and then we got bored with those and, and zombies. And then in a post-9-11 world, people started becoming the scary thing. But now... Mm. Now there's mm-hmm. certainly like existentialism and that idea of what does this mean is always going to be scary. I mean, I say this as someone who I was born and raised in a, a Christian household. I am still a devout religious person myself. And so that idea of nothingness is a mm-hmm. thing that terrifies me because it goes against everything that we've been taught or we've been raised on. Um, yeah. There's, there's a, a divine creator or there's a plan. And then this idea of like, can you eat like... <laughs> The kind of stuff that keeps me up at night is like, what is nothing? And then, <laughs> and then, then I'm not sleeping because I'm trying yeah. to, as a finite thing, trying to think outside of that mm-hmm. is, uh, is a, a, uh, a monumental, scary task, I think. Gosh, yeah, I'm already. <laughs> let's, let's do something a little lighter. <laughs> what are some examples? Yeah. yeah, maybe 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 I shouldn't have been the inaugural guest is what <laughs> No, this is the some, tone. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, so where would we like kind of see examples of uh, Lovecraft and pop culture? Um, and I and I think you talked about some of this on your podcast too, but for the for everyone else to kind of hear. Sure. I, I mean, superficially, you can actually find his stuff pretty much everywhere. I mean, um, and that that starts with even just a uh, token references from like uh, you know, Arkham, you know, Arkham Asylum from Batman become, mm-hmm. you know, comes from mm-hmm. Arkham, which was the fictional city or, or, or uh, town, whatever you have you that, uh, that Lovecraft created. You even see it in um, George R. R. Martin in Game of Thrones, which the show kind of left out, but those people who are really into the books can, can uh, delve into the mythology of their references to the, the deep ones that were establishing or, or, uh, responsible for the creation of things like, you know, Old Town and the Seastone mm-hmm. Chair that the Greyjoy family uh, sits on. Or even if you get into the geography in the Far East, towns like Sarnath and Kadath are just, he, Martin admits he took them from Lovecraft. He didn't have a plan for them. He just thought they were cool names. So he, he threw them in there. Um, or even, <laughs> even stuff like video games. I mean, Fallout mm-hmm. 3, uh, which is a great RPG game that I've loved so much, like has a Dunwich building, which Dunwich is, of course, a reference to Lovecraft. And in that building, there are uh, hints of cult-like activities going on. Or even stuff like uh, uh, Sierra, which was a, a now defunct video game company. They made like uh, The Incredible Machine, King's Quest, um, Spyro the Dragon, a whole bunch of other stuff. Had a, yeah. a series of games called Quest for Glory. Um, shameless self-plug for a minute. Our most recent or one of our upcoming episodes <laughs> is about the installment of Shadows of Darkness, which... Um, has some Lovecraftian elements in there. The main character or, or the main villain is very much kind of a Cthulhu surrogate. Um, mm-hmm. Even in King's Quest VI, the main villain is a guy named uh, Abdul Alhazarad, which is you know a character in Lovecraft mythology, which created the Necronomicon, this you know tome which uh, 
is, is well, that's a different topic for a different day, but <laughs> I mean, it, it really, it really kind of saturates everywhere. I mean, I think even me before I got into Lovecraft was culturally aware of Cthulhu as a thing. Yeah. Uh, just mm-hmm. wasn't sure where it came from. Yeah. I, I think the most recent example of Cthulhu that came to mind as I was like just doing my research yesterday was the South Park episode. I saw Kurt. that too. Oh my gosh, today I was like, South Park, okay. It's like Cartman <laughs> summons Cthulhu and they're like fighting crime. Oh my poor Mike. They're fighting crime essentially. <laughs> I was like, oh, right. I, like when I was watching that previously, I, I kind of had no idea it was connected to Lovecraft. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, even, even the movie Underwater from this year, uh, the the big thing at the end, the director has confirmed, like, yeah, it's Cthulhu. Like, okay, cool. You you wouldn't get that from the source or the text of the movie itself, but we got Cthulhu in that movie, so there it is. Confirmed. <laughs> so, okay, going back to our our deep topics because we said this is a deep podcast. Yeah. It we it I've had this conversation uh, before a couple of times now, talking about obviously not in this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about what is kind of the separation between author and their work, because that's kind of been a really heavy subject recently. Um, and we've seen this just with like JK Rowling, who has been, you know, the beloved, yeah. <laughs> the beloved Harry Potter author, <laughs> and then kind of basically goes off the walls and says all these things. And now we're kind of left in a space uh, <laughs> where you're wondering, how do I support what I love so much. And I guess the same is kind of the truth for HP Lovecraft too. And I can't go into the deep history because I don't know a ton, a ton, but for sure everyone is like, this guy is a straight up racist. He has very troubled past of, um, you know, racist remarks of classism. And even they mentioned that of course, in the Lovecraft country book where I believe uh, Atticus's father shows him the creation poem, and it is bad. <laughs> I yeah. read it; it is really bad. I read that today. I was like, "How is this real?" I mean, the date, but still, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I was like, "What am I reading?" <laughs> and so it 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 brings you to a point where you're like, "I really appreciate that," but I well, not the remarks. I really appreciate <laughs> the work. But I don't appreciate the the place that they are coming from um, in other regards to other issues such as race and class and all those things. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like where do you, you know, kind of make that separation or distinction when it comes to this kind of thing? It's a very good question and one that I have personally struggled with for a while now. I mean, uh, James and I addressed this um, on one episode that we were – um, where we, we, it was an hour long episode, half of which was just dedicated to this idea. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because it was in the, in, in the wake of the hugely televised black lives matters protests. And as supporters mm-hmm. of that, we had to reconcile, like, how do we support that? But also have a podcast dedicated to a guy who it wasn't just that he had racist comments. Um, this was a guy who his racism and prejudice was was specifically tied into some of his work specifically Mm -hmm. the short stories the horror at red hook and he which he wrote while he was living in in brooklyn which he very much hated Mm -hmm. um 
it, it's it's in there. Um, and if anyone wants to seek it out, there's a, a, a deeper dive on this. There's an article from Media Diversified called... I read that today okay, after yeah. listening to your podcast. Yep, oh my yep. gosh. Yeah, it's, it's called The N-Word Through the Ages, The Madness of mm-hmm. H.P. Lovecraft. And so this wasn't just a guy that, that was you know, had some troubling ideas. This was a guy who, who thought Hitler had some good ideas, just was a little bit too extreme in his execution of them. Um, and, and I guess the, the one thing that we ultimately kind of settle on is this idea that his work is in the public domain. So the one thing is, well, he's been dead for a long time, but there is no estate which is financially benefiting from the proliferation of these mm-hmm. stories. And because, okay. and because of that, authors, artists of any ethnicity, of any gender identity can do whatever they want with his source material. So when it comes to uh, Lovecraft Country and specifically this idea of existentialism and existential insignificance, black and brown people in this country have have had the message shown to them every day for 400 years, you are not significant. So now you can have authors who are not uh, not straight white men kind of taking that idea of like cosmic insignificance existential horror and subverting it and doing what they want with it and Mm -hmm. interpreting it through their lens it is not just Mm -hmm. these horror stories are not just being told through one narrow perspective anymore they are being told from the perspective of people who have experienced it um and i i remember when get out came out and having a conversation with a friend and he was saying you know, if that was a if that was a white guy, it wouldn't even be. You know, we wouldn't even be talking about this movie. It's like, yeah, that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I don't know what your what your argument is. <laughs> um. So yeah. So there's there's that is, is basically like there's he was a racist asshole who is not personally benefiting from his own work anymore, and there was no um, estate that is benefiting, and people can do what they want with it. People can subvert mm-hmm. his work. They can um, contradict his work. And we're, and I'm, we're seeing a lot of that in Lovecraft mm-hmm. Country, the, the text, and I hope in the TV show. Yeah. To me, mm-hmm. it really feels like kind of taking something negative and I wouldn't say necessarily putting a spot positive spin on it, but at least reclaiming the power or, you know, claiming mm-hmm. your power mm-hmm. um, in light of something kind of that negative. Uh, and as I've been reading the book, which is, it's a really fantastic read. We're going to talk about it in our next podcast next week. So we got to hang on tight to any spoiler or anything like that. <laughs> um, but I can really see that uh, being shown. And even kind of at Comic-Con uh, this past weekend where Lovecraft Country had a panel, uh, Courtney B. Vance was there. He plays George Black. And he mentioned how the show, it touches on the themes, you know, going back then, like 1955. and really how that mirrors what's going on today. Like how you brought up get out. It's like (laughs) this, you know, is, is this weird theme of race and discrimination that can still be contextualized in 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I guess that means we can kind of transition into talking about the whole comic con panel and thinking about how this all ties in finally (laughs) with Lovecraft country. So why don't we take a moment? We're going to take a look at the trailer and then we're going to talk about it. What's that book you've been reading about? It's about heroes who get to go on adventures, defeat the monsters, 
and save the day. Those boys from the south side of Chicago, the only tourists that get to do that. This story is about my father and the secret birthright that's been kept from us. You're going after it. We're going near the car. He's gonna stand there, Tick. This is family business. We can family stay together. Just because they don't want you here doesn't mean you're not supposed to be. Gotta get away. This is an invitation to unmitigated hell. Where in the hell did I go wrong with you, boy? I told you to stay away from that damn place. There's something here. Just trying to get out. Everything is where and as it should be. From God to man to creature. All right. So I was really excited to see that trailer. I know we had gotten like one or so before. And also mm-hmm. there's a sneak peek, which everyone needs yeah. to watch. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the trailer was phenomenal. Uh, what do you all think? Yeah, I thought so too. I think like the first teasers that they had, I still wasn't exactly sure. I hadn't read the book, so I wasn't sure what it was about. I was like, all right, HBO, creepy, looks interesting. I'm going to watch it. But um, after, of course, doing more research and from now the new trailer, it looks so good and so creepy. I cannot wait. Yeah, I I mean, I had had been watching every trailer that kind of came out beforehand, but this one takes it to like another level um, yeah. I, and especially because I, I love the book um, Matt Ruff's prose is I'm going to say simple I don't mean that in a derogatory way but just the way mm. that he tells the story kind of mm. reminds me of, of Neil Gaiman in that sense mm. um, uh, but I'm being a Lovecraft fan I'm one that's a bit more of a fan of uh, flowery and descriptive language and so it took me some time to get into into Matt Ruff's world but then even that it kind of left it to my imagination. So seeing how mm-hmm. they're translating these things and what they're adding to it, I'm super excited because I, I think it has a lot of potential to expand upon a text, which is already great on its own. Yeah. Yeah. The text, like it, it's a really great kind of easy read. And like you said, simple in a way where it, it, it's fast moving. It keeps you engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, wow, I really can't wait to see this translated on screen. Um, what was I going to say? I think, yeah, the interesting thing to me is I haven't in the book gone to the part where there's like monsters, monsters, because it's a really not like a slow burn in the fact that, you know, it's, it's hitting you with all these monsters, but it's like they, they kind of tease you <laughs> throughout the yeah. book. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was kind of excited to see, uh, like, at the end, they've got these weird, like, it looks like a zombie creature. Yeah, or I was like, is that a skeleton zombie? <laughs> like, not a traditional zombie. Or do we have to, is there a spoiler in the book we can't? <laughs> well, it, hmm. What, what James is I, like, I know something you don't know. Words what carefully. I want to spoil for you. I, and and this, is, this is where I might kind of come off sounding pretentious. He says probably already sounding pretentious throughout this entire episode. <laughs> Not uh, at all. Uh, the, the, I mean, the book certainly deals much more with the, the monsters or the people kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I'm getting back to this idea of, of people kind of throwing, especially viscera in things that kind of make it more exciting. I understand having to do that for a show because you can't just have, what, eight, ten episodes of people just kind of talking 
uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, about other people for. So I, I get it. I know there's, it seems like there's a Cthulhu appearance and mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. sure I'm on the fence about that because in the, in Lovecraft stuff, Cthulhu is like, Cthulhu is like the big bad, you know? That yeah, kind of yeah. That was like a little baby Cthulhu, like baby Yoda, <laughs> yeah. baby Cthulhu. <laughs> So it, it, it's, it's sort of like, you know, that's the, that's, you got to build up to that, um, which I yeah. think if anyone has seen um, Richard Stanley's The Color Out of Space, and he's, he's doing two more Lovecraft adaptations, the third one he says he can't talk about, but he said, um, <laughs> it's, it's what you're all expecting, which I'm assuming is going to be mm. the call of Cthulhu. So here's a guy who's taking three movies to build up to that in theory. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> so we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it goes, but Cthulhu, it's sort of like I, you know, it's like I, it's like my precious where it's like, I don't, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Please, not all at once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. going to be interesting to me because it's kind of like going back to the race conversation. It's like you really got these two demons in this movie. You've got whatever mm-hmm. the heck is going on in the paranormal world and the monsters and the mythos and this type of thing. And then it's like our three protagonists are black. So they have to deal with the Jim Crow South and... Mm-hmm all of the racists and, you know, white supremacists and those people, the dirty looks, the the outcastism that they have to kind of face. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's going to be an interesting kind of back and forth balance to see, you know, really who's the real monster in this. Cthulhu's like, I was just minding my own business, guys. <laughs> well, and, and that's, that's one of the great things about the these monsters in Lovecraft is that like Cthulhu and Dagon and these kind of things are not actually evil. They're not good. Mm-hmm. They just kind of are. And it's the people who are the ones that are the real driving mm-hmm. forces of the destruction and the evil in it. Um, to one of the two of the things that I thought about with the most recent trailer is um, there's a great line that ends it when Atticus is saying something to the effect of like we're we're reclaiming our family's story or or we're, yeah. or that kind of mm-hmm. thing, which that in itself is a way that an artist can subvert what Lovecraft is doing. Because as I talked about, one of the big things in his work is your inescapable fate or your, your uncontrollable destiny. And we have these characters who are actively working to claim their own like story in their own life, which is really awesome. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, even the title Lovecraft Country comes from not just this idea of they're traveling through a, an actual geography, which resembles the Arkham that Lovecraft talked about that has Shoggoth's kind of lurking in the darkness, but also just yeah. that idea of um, it's populated by people who think a lot like him. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you, if you got to the chapter yet where there's a, a character who drinks what is essentially kind of a potion, which changes them from a black person into a white person. And that's, that's where, wild. yeah. And, and that's, that's where to me, the book got really interesting because all of a sudden the POV is still the same, but is now the world around that person has shifted and to kind of see how they go back and forth in, do I want to do this? Do I not want to do this? Is so indicative of not just that time, but this time as well. Yeah. 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 I want it. You know what? You brought up something really quick uh, that I wanted to clarify at the beginning and I didn't. So the whole Lovecraft country, the like actual name, what's the quick rundown of that meaning? Where does that come from? Um, well, yeah, cause as he, as I say in the book um, and in the show, it's, I believe the opening chapter is Atticus has to find his father and his father is being held captive, I guess, in Lovecraft country. So they have mm-hmm. to go to a town called Artem, I believe, which is a, you know, it's kind of similar That's to Arkham, right. which is the town mm-hmm. that they're talking about. But, it is this 
New England prejudice kind of area where um, people have, where family lines have kind of existed for generations and where they are very skeptical of, of outsiders, basically. Yeah. Um, it, it was... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to ask, does that come from Lovecraft himself, like in his own works? Yes. Um, I mean, there, there are, and even from Lovecraft's life himself, I mean, he, when he was born, his family was, you could say, pseudo-aristocratic in a way. I mean, mm-hmm. their, their family was somewhat wealthy and rather respectable. But then due to numerous family tragedies, the... Um, the family fortune dwindled, their reputation kind of deteriorated, mm-hmm. but they still had a, um, a, a shabby genteel kind of uh, uh, opinion of themselves mm-hmm. to the extent that when Lovecraft moved back to Providence from Brooklyn, they didn't want his wife coming with him because she was a, she had a hat store. And so like, you know, to kind of be working with your hands was below mm-hmm. what they thought their was uh, expected of their family, even though they were basically kind of gray gardens the at same. that point. That's wow. crazy. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm learning a lot. Uh, <laughs> it's I think it's, it, it helps to kind of have a primer. I mean, you can go in kind of cold and, and it's really, HBO always does a great job of setting up yeah. whatever, you know, if it's an adaptation or, or just something brand new. Uh, but it, I think it's kind of interesting as we wrap up to think about the future of, horror shows because i'm thinking about like mm-hmm. in recent memory stranger things um insanely popular on netflix um what else the outsider which was also it's yeah. adapted on hbo um and kind of these these horror shows cropping up natalie do you have a favorite horror show um honestly i mean at the moment i do really love stranger things um i also <laughs> really love twin peaks is probably my favorite mm. um <laughs> But current ones, Stranger Things, I'm definitely really into. I love how just it's not just high quality, but it's also not just your typical, like, you know, how horror movies and shows have that stigma of like, oh, it's like the young people, the slasher film. Yeah. It's so simple, which, you know, as us, we're horror lovers. So we know that's silly. That's not how it always is. Um, <laughs> so I'm very excited for Love Lovecraft Country, too, because it's not just your typical monsters it's also the philosophical as well yeah jim where do you kind of see the future of horror tv has it always been kind of this like wealth of horror or are we kind of moving towards that now i I think there's always been an appetite for it i mean even going back to the you know the late 50s with the twilight zone and the 60s with it and the Mm -hmm. outer limits there has always been an appetite for it now we're just living in in a time when there are so many more avenues to explore that I don't think Stranger Things blowing up was necessarily a Netflix phenomenon as much as the appetite was there and this was the avenue that provided mm-hmm. it for people. I mean, you mentioned mm-hmm. The Outsider, but even stuff like uh, Castle Rock on Hulu, uh, yeah. which you know, explores the kind of the wider Stephen King universe, or hell, even Shudder, which is a streaming service specifically dedicated to horror, mm-hmm. has their own offerings. Channel Zero, uh, a new Creepshow reboot. I mean, there, there's... That stuff is there, but as TV has become more cinematic and there are more avenues to explore it, um, you can, you know, your appetite can be satiated no matter where you are in the world or what you're into. I mean, HBO even had a very little publicized series called Folklore, which was a miniseries in which each episode was 
took place in and directed by a deep a different director from an East Indian country, so yeah. Japan or Indonesia, that kind of thing. So it, it exists out there, and people are hungry for it. It's just there was when network TV reigned so much money to go around, and now now there's a, a, a almost too many options. It might seem. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think the future is bright for these dark, dark television shows and even movies. I am, Mm -hmm. everyone knows that I am a huge superhero fan. So I don't know if like, let's say WandaVision is going to be kind of, it looks like it'll be kind of like twisted and psychedelic Mm -hmm. and all that. The Doctor Strange sequel too, right? Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, (laughs) Sam Raimi is on that now. Scott Derrickson is out. Um, And then the new mutants too, which is going to be kind of like a foray into horror. We'll see. (laughs) If yeah, it comes out. <laughs> I feel like that movie's been on the verge of coming out for well I over. I know. It's so sad. Yeah. Well, <laughs> good news is that even though theaters are closed, television is not. So Lovecraft Country is coming out. It's coming out August the 16th. That's mm-hmm. a Sunday. I can't believe it's coming up already. Uh, I know. Very cool. So I'm excited. Jim, do you have any closing thoughts as we begin to part? Um, yes. It's just a matter <laughs> of how do I limit them so that I don't drag you on for too long. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, this is a, you know, Lovecraft was a, a complicated guy, but I'm, I'm glad, I don't want to say complicated guy. He was a racist. Let's not use this kind of mm-hmm. language. You're like, oh, but, you know, probably was a, a virulent racist individual. Um, but I'm glad that with stuff like Lovecraft Country and even uh, the H.P. Lovecraft Histor- Historical Society, the conversation is changing around him in the sense of accepting, like, yes, this is who he was and this is what we are doing about it. So um, I'm excited for the show to come out. I mean, I've loved everything that Jordan Peele has done and I know that yeah. he's, you know, so I, I'm really kind of excited uh, to, to see this, to see this story uh, come to life. And if anyone is interested in learning more about Lovecraft, uh, the preeminent Lovecraft scholar in the world, a guy named S.T. Joshi was himself, uh, I believe um, born in India or he's Indian American. So even, even the yeah. fact that we have someone who is a, um, not a white person who is um, viewing this guy and writing about this guy, I think is a, is a, an important voice in the conversation as well. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Well, Natalie, any concluding thoughts? <laughs> no, I think that's it. Thank you awesome. so much for joining yeah. us. Thank you, Jim. Yeah. Thank you. This is where, a- Oh yeah. Uh, I was going to ask where can people find you at on the net? Sure. Well, uh, most relevant to this conversation, uh, James and I do a, uh, a bi-weekly uh, podcast called The Cast of Cthulhu, which is reviewing both direct adaptations of his work. So, you know, Stuart Gordon's Dagon or uh, From Beyond or that kind of stuff, but also things that might have been spiritually influenced by his work. So John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness, The Void, our most recent episode is about underwater, which I talked about. Um, that's That can be found on pretty much any place you get podcasts, but the uh, castcthulhu.podbean.com is where we currently live. You can find us on Facebook as well, or we're on Twitter at castcthulhu, um, which I'm, I'm not big on, I'm not huge on Twitter, but you know, so we, every that, that's a less frequent thing for us, but uh, the, the podcast would probably be the best way to, uh, to find us. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jim. Thank, yeah, you. thank you so much. I learned so much. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think actually, <laughs> I want to thank yeah, everybody for joining us for our very first podcast. We have so yes. much more to come. Lovecraft Country Chronicles. Say that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're here wherever podcasts are streamed and downloaded uh, every Monday. Catch us right after the show. We'll be back next week to talk about the Lovecraft Country novel. So 
Thank you so much. We'll see you all next time. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.